Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, Charlotte and I should have communicated about the um, matching tops, really, shouldn't we, I think, but yes. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about 1,000 Hours this year, um, and we are going to be celebrating some awesome stories and hopefully hearing some amazing stuff going on across Ashford over the month of October. But that's not what I'm here to talk to you about this morning. <laughs> um, yeah, so this morning I am carrying on I'm with the third instalment of our family reunion series. So last week Chris talked about honour being the, the culture of, um, of heaven, and the week before that Nick actually said that family is the culture of heaven. So um, I think there's lots of cultures going on in heaven, but I'm going to pick up on this family aspect that Nick introduced, and we're going to bring in some bits of what Chris spoke about as well. But if family is in the culture of heaven, then surely there's got to be family relationships within that format. There are mothers, fathers, sons and daughters, aunts, brothers, sisters. But what does that look like for us? What does that look like for, for me, for you, within Ashford Vineyard and within the, the relationship, within the church that we find ourselves in? And what roles do we play within that structure? I know I'm very different in the way I react to my mum and dad than I do to my sister or even to my grandmother. And as I take on different roles and responsibilities, I have to yeah, play a different part in that. And I have kind of a different way of looking at the way I am in those positions. And I firmly believe that if we can find our place and sweet spot in these spiritual family relationships, that's going to allow us to thrive, to fly, and become the best versions of ourselves we can be. Now, in all of this, starts off with God as our Father. And he is the example that we, we follow and we can look to. Someone looked at all the words in the Bible and counted up how many times each word was used. They took out all the boring words like the conjunctions, the these, the, the ands, and whatever. And actually found out that Father is the third most used word in the whole of the Bible. The other two being God and Lord. But, so God refers to himself as Father. Jesus refers to God the Father. He even, when he talks about the Lord's Prayer, when the disciples ask him about how they can pray, he says, start with the words, our, my Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. That's who we're talking to. And that's who we're addressing when we talk about fathering in this way. And God the Father is our top example of what a dad looks like. But how do we create this family culture and these relationships? And in one in Asher Vineyard, but then in the places we find ourselves in outside as well. What does it mean and what does it actually look like? Now in thinking about this, I was reminded of um, a time and a relationship, uh, uh, yeah, uh, a time many years ago. So I'm going to take you back to about 20 odd years. So you can imagine a shorter, slightly chubby me. <laughs> I just started life at my secondary school. So I was about 12 years old at this point. And I, I went into to secondary school and with, let's say, with a little sporting prowess, but not tons. I'd played football a bit at primary school and had a brief stint in a local Little League baseball team, which, yes, did exist in the UK back then. 
and I could hold my own a little bit playing cricket with a tennis ball in the park. But being that I arrived, arrived at a grammar school in, in Tunbridge in Kent, I was immediately thrown into the world of rugby union. I think it was my first or second day where they just basically chucked all of the year sevens out on the pitch, gave them a ball and saw what happened. <laughs> it turned out I wasn't actually that bad at it. I could hold my own on the rugby pitch. I, could, I, I was pretty good, basically. Um, I played prop forward. But although I loved playing the actual the game, the, the, the match itself, playing rugby, all of the background stuff that started to become um, started to become kind of extra on top of that. All the fitness, the sprints, the running, doing laps of the field, all of that kind of stuff, the background stuff you have to do to get better at rugby, I was absolutely pants at and didn't like at all. I, by the way, the bleep test, I don't know if any of you experienced the bleep test, it's an absolute form of torture and should not be used on 12 and 13 year old children in a school and I still firmly believe that to this day. If you don't know what the bleep test is, look it up. You have to run between two walls before a beep and it gets faster and faster and faster. It's a test of your fitness. Oh, yeah, I'm never very good at that. I don't think, anyway, I probably couldn't do that now either, but yeah. But anyway, I remember one after one games lesson, one of the PE teachers, a guy called Mr. Curtis, he had, who had a bit of a reputation, looked like a sergeant major from the army, like shaved head, um, bit scary, all of the, yeah, all of the other the boys used to call him Sergeant Major. But he'd, he said, Tatton, it's all surnames, Tatton, I, need you, I want you to come and see me after, after games. So I did, and I went in. A bit like, what the heck is going on? But what he did at that moment, and please excuse a little bit of my, my language here, I just want to quote what he said, because I remember this now. He says, you could be bloody good at this if you want it, Tatton. You've got a choice. You put some work in or not. That was it. I was like, okay. And then he said to me after that, it's entirely up to you. I will help you, but I'm leaving it with you. If you want this, I'll help you. If you don't want it, then that's fine. Leave my office now. I was like, okay. So it was in that moment that I realized that someone had actually seen something in me, that I could be good at, at rugby, that I could actually had something to offer, that I had a, a spark in me, that, and this, this teacher wanted to kind of help me to grow that and to me to get better at that. And that was actually the motivation I needed, to put some time in, put some work in. And I ended up being pretty good at rugby. I didn't quite make it to play for England, but... Um, I played rugby all the way through my school years, absolutely loved it, played for the first, had trials for Kent and all of that stuff as well. Um, I ended up breaking my shoulder in my last year at school, which scuppered quite a lot of that, but that's a whole other story. But Mr. Curtis, in that moment, was prepared to have a simple conversation that spurred me on, gave me the kick I needed, as he had seen a spark of potential in me that needed flat, flat, I can't say the word, that needed fanning into a bigger flame. He was willing to call out the gold, but also willing to say that it was going to be a bit hard along the way. But he was willing to invest time in me to do that, and he did give him his absolute due. And, and ever since then, like, I've, like I said, I've remembered that conversation. And you might then say, well, rugby hasn't been something I've grown into be like my main profession, but it was just the fact that I was seen and noticed at that point. 
that's really stuck with me. And throughout my life growing up, I've had men in my life who have managed to, to do that for me as well. I've been quite lucky to have done that. I get on so well with my actual dad as well, which I'm very, very pleased about and very glad about. And I, I've had other men that have called stuff out of me, trained me in different things. There's a guy called Trent who I met in Reading, who I wouldn't be leading worship up here the way I do if it hadn't have been for him. I also have a really good friend called Rich, who I know I can call at any time with any questions. And when I do, we have a regular monthly chat up. He asks me those difficult questions. He asks me how my marriage is, asks other stuff, and he's there if I need to ask advice as well. And it's those relationships that have been part of shaping who I am as a husband, a pastor, and a son of God. And I hope as I've been speaking that some of you have been thinking of people in your lives that that could, that could kind of uh, apply to you or people that spring to your mind. And if they don't, then I would encourage you to find those people. Who are the people you could ask to take you under their wing and be, I'm going to call it a spiritual mother or father to you? God puts people in our lives that are there to bless us, to lead us and to spiritually parent us. But we always have to make the choice to let them in. Now I'm talking about relationships that go far deeper than going to the pub with your mates to watch the football. Not that those relationships are bad, but it's a level beyond where you see something in someone that you want and you approach them and spend time with them and draw that out of them. So you want to learn from them and they take you under their wing. And there's an element of trust there as well. Being a spiritual son or daughter Allow someone to speak into your life, to give you a little nudge when you need it, to make you do the laps around the field if you need it too, and to ask you those difficult questions. How is your relationship with God? How is your marriage? How are you getting on with that situation? We all want someone to affirm us and to build us up, and I would say we need that. But there's some aspect of maybe constructive criticism and learning that comes with that, as we have to realise that we have room for growth in every situation. So Paul, in one of his letters to the church in Corinth, says, For you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers, or I've put mothers in there as well. Can you see what he's saying there? He says, For you might have 10,000 instructors. Are they people telling you what to do? that you don't have many fathers, the people coming alongside you to build you up while you do that. And that's something that he aspires to and he did really well, but we'll come to that in a little bit. It's that difference between saying, giving someone who maybe wants to know more about the Bible saying, here's a Bible, go and read Mark. Or on the other hand, here's a Bible, why don't you read a couple of chapters and then come and tell me what you've learned, what you've done. Let's go and have a coffee together, let's talk about that some more. It's that one that says, it's that person that says, so you want to know more about what the, what the Bible says? Let's go and do this Alpha course together. Let's go and learn together. Let's do this, walk this together. Someone who's amazing at that, and I think he's here in the room this morning, is Mike Brown. So I want to encourage you to go and speak to him. 
get in contact with him. It's been a pleasure. He's part of my invest group. And it's been a, an amazing hearing his stories about the people that he's coming alongside and guiding them and, and supporting them. And yeah, he's got so many amazing stories to tell. So I encourage you to, to grab him afterwards. He, he's here in the room. I can see him at the back there. But he's awesome at this stuff. Now, I've been praying and thinking about these relationships. And I was reminded of these guys that are Oh, we'll skip that one. I'm gonna, yeah, these guys that are going to come up on your screen in a minute. So Vic and I stumbled across this program called the, the World's Toughest Race, Eco Challenge Fiji. It's an actual race that happened across, across Fiji over 11 days. I'm talking tough mudder, but like on steroids. There's hiking, cycling, rowing, paddleboarding, building your own um, bamboo things to get down a river, climbing waterfalls, abseiling, and they do it all one thing after another, after after another for 11 days. It's a race. Some of them don't even sleep or barely sleep during that time. And the program follows some teams as they go about doing this. And one of the teams specifically stood out of me. There are, there are teams of four people who go on this, this adventure, and this is particularly across Fiji. Um, and these two are Mark and Travis Macy. Mark is the older guy in the bike helmet there. He is an adventure racer. He has been his whole life. He's now, I think, 66 years old. And as his son, Travis, was growing up, he used to take him with him on these adventure races. And as Travis grew older, he trained with Mark, and he took him under this wing, and they did these events together, ultramarathons, um, Ironman competitions, all kinds of things to the point where Travis is now one of them, the, the son is now one of the best well-known adventure racers in the world. Now, he initially entered this race with this, with this team of three other people um, and was one, one of the favorite teams to win. So Mark and three other guys went to go and race across Fiji and, no, sorry, Travis and three other guys. Got to, but then Mark, his dad, was still going to do this race as well, was on a t another team that weren't in it to win, but were just in it to take part. But in the build-up to the race, Mark, Travis's dad, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. He started to lose his, um, started to lose some of his cognition and understanding, and he lost, basically lost energy quicker than he used to. This devastated Mark, because he wanted to do this competition. So Travis, his son, came out of the team that was hoping to win this race and said, do you know what, Dad? We're going to do this together. And he formed a team with so the two of them, and then they got a specialist doctor who came and did this as well to help support Mark on the race. And it's beautiful the way their story unfolds as the son rises up and goes further and is able to support his dad. And it's that beautiful moment of the, where they're talking and they, they hug and they embrace. And those moments, those years of where Mark has been training Travis almost reverse and Travis goes beyond and he's the one guiding his dad through. And that is a picture of a father and son relationship right there. It's a thing of beauty. And it still brings me a little bit to tears thinking about it now. And I would recommend you go and watch this program and as well as seeing the the feet of the things the human body can do and, and take on, just the stories that come out of this, 
adventure race and these teams. There's more examples as well of families doing this together. But these guys, this is, there's a picture coming up of carrying Mark's bike across a river where he needed help to do that and Travis stepping up and doing that. So these are all examples of people being fathered and mothered and positioning themselves and sons and daughters. There's other examples in the Bible as well. I haven't got time to go into it now, but look at the book of Ruth and Naomi and Ruth taking, going under Naomi's wing in that way. Josh spoke about that beautifully in the Bible Legends talk he did a couple of weeks ago. That's in the Old Testament, in the book of Ruth, if you want to look that up. So, but what does it look like? We've talked a bit about us being fathered and mothered, so being sons and daughters. But what does it look like for us to be a father and a mother? Paul, in the New Testament, who we talk about as a super church planter, had a pretty good grasp on this. And there's a couple of things he wrote in a couple of letters. In Romans 15, he says, Our goal must be to empower others to do what is right and good for them and to bring them into spiritual maturity. And he says in another letter, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. It's about him setting an example. And he had people in his life that walked with him, went out and planted churches with him. Uh, Timothy is one of those guys he refers to as his son on a repeated basis. But how do we go about doing that? Where do we go with that? How do we take that on? Now, I want to, this moment, refer back to Chris's talk last week, because he basically summed up two great points that actually work really well in this, in this time, in this season. So can anyone remember what his two points were from last week? <laughs> oh, did they? Oh, Chris is looking around the room. Yeah. So he said about one, looking for the divine spark in someone, and two, encouraging that spark grabbing that bit of cardboard and fanning the flame to to make it in and that's what honor looks like that's what honoring people looks like and it's that second point that is what fathering and mothering looks like as well celebrating people cheering them on getting the party poppers out being there when times get tough giving wisdom And I would argue that as people who've given our yes to Jesus, it's our responsibility to find people that we can build up, show show them what the love of God looks like as a father, and our responsibility to take a stand as fathers and mothers. Look out for those people who maybe we could take under our wing, those people who are looking for some guidance, and make time to encourage and invest invest in them and in their God-given destiny. And show the love of God that we carry on the inside of us. You have something to offer. Jesus, when asked about the greatest commandments, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second one, love your neighbour as you love yourself. And I think while I've been speaking and while I've been saying about being a father or a mother, some of you are asking that question, but what do I have to offer? But you have life experiences and have been through things in your life that you've learned lessons from, and you can share that experience. But it involves you taking courage, putting yourself in the place where you can offer that. Because it's a lie that you have nothing to offer. You have 
Just like the people we're looking out for have the divine spark, you have that inside of you. So this morning I want to ask, what do you need to move out of the way or get yourself out of the way of to see that divine spark inside yourself? Because as you start to see that, it will become contagious. And people will want to come under your wing, be fathered and mothered by you. You all in this room at home across Ashford, we all have something to offer. We all have that divine spark inside of us. And I don't know whether that's through joining a circle or an invest group, volunteering with us in some way, finding people to, to just hang out with and be together with, to be in community with. It's finding people that you can cheer. One to cheer you on, but that you can cheer on as well. I believe that God desires to bring healthy spiritual relationships into all of our lives. And that's what's going to fuel our own growth and our own kind of personal love for him and set a fire in our heart as well. And I want to encourage you to look for those relationships, value them, engage in them. And I assure you, God's going to meet with you in a deeper and more meaningful way than you've ever experienced before as you do that. If you'd like to stand, I just want to pray for you as we come to an end. If you want to put your hand on your heart, I think there's something about the spark that God's put inside of, of our hearts and wanting to reignite that, wanting to set that into flame. So Holy Spirit, would you come? We love you so much. That divine spark, that thing you've put inside of our heart, that passion that we have, would that burn into a flame? And would you help us to see those people around us that we can help ignite their sparks? And would you help us to spot the people that can help us ignite ours as well? As we step into relationships where we, we, we say, yes, we want to be your son or your daughter, or yes, we want to be a father or a mother to you. The impact that we can have across this town as we do that is going to be great. Thank you, Father for who you are and if you don't know him you don't know that spark inside you I want to encourage you this morning that a father God is waiting for you with his arms open wide and all it takes is for you to step into that and if you say yes to that and yes to that relationship with Jesus and God as a father then just yeah all you need to do right now is just say yes father step into your arms I want to follow you and if you've done that for the first time this morning, we want to celebrate with you. If any of this has resonated with you this morning and you'd like some prayer, then please hop over to church online right now. Have an amazing week. Keep looking for ways of fanning that spark inside you and God is going to use you mightily as you go about everything you do this week. Be blessed. Look out for thousand hours as well going on. Get stuck in with that and show some kindness across this town that we love. Thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.